Hello, this is your Bible teaching program called Search for Truth. I'm delighted you can join us. It's our final talk in this series with Brian Johnston, our Bible teacher, and the talk has got the subtitle, A Determined Walk. If you've been following this series, you'll know it's about increasing our Christian footprint as we walk with God. So, let's go with Brian once again into the Bible to discover how we can make our Christian lives more effective in the service of our Lord Jesus. Thanks, John. In this series of studies, we've defined the Gilgalim, or the Gilgals, and found one in particular to be of special interest. We'll conclude our studies with a further focus on what happened at this location. Our look at what happened here in the time of the prophets Elijah and Elisha, will complete our review of how we can realise God's plan for our life too. It's all about gaining a foothold from which to taste the powers of the age to come. We'll allow God's word, as we find it in the book of Second Kings, to explain it further from chapter 2. And it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know, be still. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he answered, Yes, I know, be still. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them, at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. I'll just interrupt the story here to make the observation that this journey was one that started out from Gilgal. After the circuit we've traced with Elijah and Elisha, we're now back at the Jordan River. As we've seen at each stage, Elisha's commitment was tested. Perhaps we're reminded of the words of our Lord to his followers at the end of his Galilean ministry, when he challenged them by asking, Would you also go away? May we be those who are like Peter then and like Elisha here, in other words, disciples or followers who stay the course. There's a hymn we sing between each baptism in the Philippines, and it says, The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. Hopefully, that's our motto too. Well, what happened next with Elisha, you may be wondering. After all, the narrator has been building up the suspense. We read in Second Kings 2 verse 8 that Elijah took his mantle and folded it together and struck the waters and they were divided here and there so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, 
Please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. He said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. I'm wondering as I read that, do I ask the Lord for hard things? Or are they easy things for my comfort? There's a right sense in which we can be ambitious for the Lord. Elijah was noted for the power of his ministry in serving the Lord. The Bible pays tribute to the spirit and power of Elijah. A disciple may be as his master, but a double portion? A longing for God's spirit to have more of us is surely something that the Lord is pleased to hear. In fact, he guarantees to answer that prayer positively in Luke chapter 11. Notice, I spoke there of the Spirit having more of us. I believe that's the way it works. How can we have more of God's Spirit? But he sure can have more of us as we surrender every area of our lives to him. Now, at this point, both men are on the far side of the Jordan, both Elijah and Elisha. And Jordan's the same river that the entire nation had crossed over on dry land under Joshua's leadership when they gained their first foothold in the land God was giving to them. Our reading now continues in 2 Kings 2 from verse 11. As they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. Chariots of fire. These words have been made famous in Western culture, having been memorably assigned as the title of the film based on the life of a Christian athlete who refused to surrender his Christian principles. There's another reference to this incident in the words that now often resonate from sports stadia across the world. I'm referring, of course, to the words swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. I doubt if many who sing them know much, if anything, about this likely origin for them. And there was hardly anything sweet, in any sense, about this chariot and its fiery horses. It must have been a thoroughly awesome sight. And that's the point. Elisha saw it. Remember what his master Elijah had said in answer to him? Elisha had asked for a double portion of his master's spirit and had been told, if you see me ascending, then you know your desire has been granted. So what was Elisha's response? He cries out, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Intriguing words, aren't they? What could he have meant by them? Was he commemorating the life of Elijah and the loss the nation had suffered here? It was as if it had lost its protective army, or should I say cavalry. Apparently, it's recorded that Mary, Queen of Scots, once said that she feared the prayers of one man, those of the Scottish reformer John Knox, more than all her enemies' armies. The powerful praying of Elijah is held up for us by the Apostle James in his Bible letter. Elijah was a righteous man, and he's given us an example of the effective working of prayer when it's rooted in a righteous life. So what's Elisha's next move? We read in 2 Kings 2 and verse 13, He also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. 
He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. This action has become iconic too. We speak of picking up mantles, mantles that are falling as notable lives come to an end down here. And we mean precisely what's portrayed here in this original setting for that biblical expression. This is a story that's obviously shaped our language and our singing, but we need to drill down to get at what God wants us to take to heart from it. That's far more important than movies and catchy tunes. Here was Elisha experiencing personally the power of God in his life. He'd seen it second-hand in Elijah, but Elijah was now the past generation. The nation of Israel stood in need of a successor in the prophetic office. Where is the God of Elijah? There were times when Israel's songwriters, wistfully it seems, recalled the past glory days of God's powerful interventions on their behalf, the days of God's right hand, as the psalm puts it, with the right hand being poetic or symbolic of strength. Do we read of what God has achieved in the lives of others who've gone before us and wonder if we'll personally ever experience a fraction of the same? Well, when Elisha prayed, in effect it was a prayer, where is God? The God who worked mightily through Elijah. God responded by displaying his power to Elisha and to the onlookers. This is what we read in Second Kings 2 and now verse 15. Now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho opposite him saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. They say God buries his workers, but the work goes on. Except here, there was no burial when God removed Elijah from this scene. Like Enoch, the other human who was taken without seeing death, Elijah was wonderfully taken up into heaven. Now, that raises all sorts of questions, doesn't it? But we have to say we don't know the answers, so we'd best not speculate. The secret things belong to the Lord. It'll be sufficient for us to grasp this brief sketch of the essential parts of this story we've reviewed. There was an ascending master, who was Elijah, of course. Then there was a waiting disciple, namely Elisha. And thirdly, there was a descending power by which Elisha acted in parting the waters. Now, where else do we find that in Scripture? Why, of course, it takes us in thought to the second chapter of Acts. Wouldn't you agree? At least in chapter 1, the disciples had just witnessed their master ascending back into heaven. That same chapter finds them waiting prayerfully in Jerusalem. What they were waiting for, of course, was what we read about in the next chapter, chapter 2 of Acts, which details for us the marvellous descending of the Holy Spirit to powerfully, from that day on, reside in the heart and life of each true believer on the Lord Jesus. May God, yes, the God of the apostles of our Lord, may he help us to live in the Spirit's power for our time. God's agenda may be different from that beginning in which people spoke in other known languages, but his ability is no less at all. Well, that brings us to the end of the road as far as these tracings out of the Gilgalim are concerned. More a repeated feature than a single place, we've noted. 
after we've revisited this feature and recalled momentous events associated with such physical footprints, I trust we'll gain ground and plant our feet more firmly as we stand on the Lord's promises and so increase our Christian footprint in this world for his glory. Our hymn is one of total commitment to the Christian pathway, a determined walk for Jesus, no turning back. As this is the final programme in this series, make sure you remember to send for the free transcript book for this series if you haven't already done so. It's available by request. Just ask for the title, Increasing Our Christian Footprint. You can order by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You might be interested to know that many titles of Search for Truth transcript booklets have been turned into e-books and are available at amazon.co.uk forward slash kindle hyphen ebooks. Just type Search for Truth series into the search box and you'll find them. Our time's almost done for today, but next week sees the start of a new eight-part series which should prove very interesting and beneficial once again. The series focuses on grandparents, biblical ones of course, to see what lessons we can learn from them with Brian, so I hope you'll be able to join us. Until then, it's very best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our singers and me John. So bye for now, and may God richly bless you. Should no one join me, still I must follow. Should no one join me, still I must follow. Should no one join me.